Hey guys, today on the Raw Knuckles podcast, we have an episode from a docu-series that was done on my life story. This is a teaser episode, so make sure you look out for future episodes. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down and I never stayed down. And I was vicious and I was malicious and I don't care. We practice on a Tuesday. Now, I'm engaged to be married. Karen's coming that weekend. This is a big weekend for me and a big week, okay? It's Monday. We practice. Um, and on Thursday, we're playing Syracuse. And why is this game so important? Well, Dave Schultz, the hammer, gets sent down from the Flyers to Syracuse. He didn't get sent to Maine, he got sent to Syracuse, he got loaned out. And they're coming to town. And I'm thinking, man, this will be my 50th game in the American Hockey League, and I'm gonna finally get to fight an NHL guy, and that's the hammer. So, we practice. I'm getting, honestly, I'm, I'm looking forward to Thursday night because I want to fight him so bad. I fought everybody in the league, really, and then the hammer's coming. This is, this is going to make it for me. All of a sudden, I get a phone call. After practice, I go home. I get a phone call at the house. Uh, hey, Chris. Uh, yeah. It's Bert. Oh, no. What the fuck? No. He said, hey, um, good news, buddy. And I'm there. Uh, what? He said, um, you get called up. Chris's journey would finally lead to the pinnacle of hockey, the NHL, as the Montreal Canadiens made the call. And Chris Nyland was a National Hockey League player. You know, I threw a suit in my bag and shit and some stuff, and I, I jumped in the cab and flew into <clears throat> um, the Metro Center. <clears throat> I go up and see Bertie, gives me a ticket, some money, and I go jump in the cab and I take off and I'm heading to the airport. Fuck, I get halfway there. No bag. Forgot to fucking go down to the locker room and get my bag like an idiot. I was so excited. I mean, I was, I mean, I can't believe this. I mean, this was like a huge surprise to me that I got called up, really. I, I just, I didn't think, I just didn't think, like I never thought like, oh, when am I gonna get called up? I, you know, in the back of my mind that time, I would think, yeah, it'd be nice someday to get called up. Uh, maybe it's gonna be next year, who knows? But I got called up, I was surprised, I was happy. Just a flood of emotion that went through me. I was so happy and excited. Anyway, I said to the cabbie, I said, fuck, I gotta go back. He said, what? I, I, mean, I forgot my hockey bag. He whipped around. Now, I'm worried I'm gonna miss the flight. I mean, if it was, you know, in today's airports, I, I'd have been done, you know, there's no way. But we raced back to the Metro Center, I grabbed my bag and stuff and off I went. I made the flight <clears throat> and I got to Atlanta at night. I went to the uh, hotel, I get up in the morning and um, you know, the coach who called that n night had the assistant coach call uh, Jacques LaPerrier and he said, uh, uh, Chris, uh, tomorrow morning, the practice at 10 o'clock. Uh? And I said, okay, he said, be down uh, in the morning uh, early. So anyway, I, 
I got down the lobby, I don't know, about <clears throat> the bus, I think, was leaving at like quarter or nine. And I got down the lobby and uh, I ran into Jacques Laperia and talked to him a little bit, the assistant coach. And then uh, Rod Langway came sauntering and he saw me and introduced himself, said hello. And it, it was just so cool. Morning skate, skated. We come back and we had <clears throat> pregame meal, went to bed. I'm in the lineup. Uh, I got called up because Bob Gainey was hurt and Guy Lafleur. So they were missing two wingers. They were, another guy, I forget who it was, but they were missing a couple guys. And Claude Rell was a coach. And um, anyway, play that first game, get out there. I got, I remember I'm skating in the warm up and back when I met Lafleur and Lemaire and, and Lupien in the car that time, we gave him a ride. Uh, the kid I was with, Franny Flaherty, my friend Franny, told me, listen, you ever make it uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, your first game, I don't care where it is, Montreal, LA, I do not care where it is, I will show up. I'm gonna be at your first game. I'm there, okay, whatever. So I get there, I'm in warm up, I'm skating around and I hear someone yelling, Chris, Chris, screaming, right? And you know, I'm nervous to begin with. I'm like, I don't wanna look at anybody, I'm just, I don't wanna, you know, start sticking on the puck and warm up and lose the puck. I just, I want everything to go good, right? I'm like nervous as all hell. And I skate around, he's screaming, banging on the glass, and I look, and there's a guy with a fucking cowboy hat, and he had cowboy boots on. He was standing like just, you know, probably about four rows up. And uh, I look, I said, fuck, that's Franny. He looked like the fucking urban cowboy. I was like, are you shitting me? Of all people to wear cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, Franny. And anyway, I, I was laughing inside him, and Jesus, because that was the trend back then. Everybody, you know, was wearing cowboy stuff, you know, and of all people to be wearing it, Franny. And anyway, so I do the warm up, boom, I get out there. I played with Doug Jarvis, and I forget who the other winger was at the time. Uh, I'll be honest, it was kind of a blur. But I do remember, I only played uh, one shift in the first period, I think two in the second and two in the third. Atlanta had a pretty big team, um, but you know what? I fucking felt terrible about my first game. I really did. I was nervous. I forgot, it's like I forgot everything I learned down there. It's like I'm here now. My, my asshole got tight. You know, I let it, I, the, the moment overtook me and I just, I, I thought I blew it. I said, fuck, after the game, I was bummed out. I went out with Franny and, you know, certainly the whole team, we went somewhere, we were at some nightclub fucking, and, you know, I pounded a few, had some fun, a few laughs, but I, I wouldn't, I felt terrible. I said, I'm fucking done. Like, I'm getting sent back. I was really dejected. Um, so go back to the hotel, we fly to, where do we fly to? Philadelphia. It couldn't have been, a better situation for me. Pre-game skate, had some fun, moved the puck around everything, and I'm thinking, Philly, this is just like Maine. Fuck, this is gonna be like Maine for me. Uh, it's the big boys, and now it's time. So that first game in Philly was just awesome for me. And, you know, we get in there, and first period, a couple shifts, going pretty good. And second period, fuck, and they start running around 
and giving it to us. You know, they want to spook the Habs out of the building. Typical Philly bullshit you had to put up with every time you played in there. But I say bullshit, but it gave me a fucking opportunity. It gave me a job. And <clears throat> they start running around, and Claude Rell, who I love dearly, and he loved me, um, he was standing there behind the bench, and when they start running, I hear him from behind the bench saying, Yankee boy, he called me Yankee boy. He said, Yankee boy, don't be afraid of these men. They are just men like us. And I'm like, men like us. I look, Bob Daly's out there. He's like 6'5", fucking 260 pounds. Fucking Ben Wilson, 6'4", whatever. Fucking Cochran was there. All these fucking monsters. I mean, yeah, they're just men like us. There's Cole behind the bench, short little fat guy. And, you know, he's got one eye. He's got a glass eye, the other one. And I'm there, yeah, okay, I get it. And he wasn't telling me to fight. He was just saying, relax, go, you know, just fucking go do what you do. And sure enough, that next shift, I get out there and uh, they put Bob Kelly next to me and the puck drops and he fucking shot me. I just dropped my gloves and I got the first one under my belt. And then um, I assisted on the winning goal. We won three to one. Pierre Mondu scored the uh, winner. And it was a nice pass. It wasn't like it went off my ass and went to a stick. I made a nice pass to him. So I'm like, shit, I got a fight, got an assist. I uh, got that you know, first fight out of my way. I'm off and running. And man, um, it was such a great feeling because I went from feeling so down, so disgusted with myself because of my performance in Atlanta um, to what happened in Philly. Just, man, it just, it, I fed off that energy and that confidence. It, 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 it helped me big time. And yeah, so that, that was such a cool moment in my career. And Claude, he loved me. Um, he's a guy that I worked with uh, my first few years. Claude didn't want to be head coach. He's a better assistant coach, obviously. Uh, he worked with all the young guys. He he worked on all the, the the you know skating, the fundamental skating, passing, shooting every day. You know, and he made it fun. You know, we'd be out there after practice, and he played six seconds, six seconds, six seconds left in the game, and he'd have the puck, and he'd be skating down below the goal line. You had to go to the net. And there'd be a defenseman there. He had to get open and try and score. It was awesome. So he'd count it down. Six, cinq, quatre, trois, deux. And then you'd score and he'd go, oh, you know, throw your stick up in the air. And then he'd come over and he'd pat the goalie on and said, oh, poor little goalie, poor little goalie. And he just made it so fun. Um, you know, that guy with the one eye, are you fucking kidding me? He lost his eye in junior. Uh, Hockey, he got uh, hit with a stick and, you know, he could pass that puck like, like fucking no one. I don't care. I'll put him up against anybody. God rest his soul. You know, you'd be skating around and he would lead you. He'd put the puck to an area where he knew you were going to be. Fucking boom. Every time. Every time. Didn't have to reach back for it. Didn't have to take it in your feet. Every time it was on the tape. And, 
you know, he, he worked on the skating. Come on, Yankee boy, just jump on your leg, just jump. Just a little saute, just a little saute. Everything he did, uh, he made it fun and he gave it, like he gave me confidence. And, um, you know, the shot, doing everything, um, you know, going out skating, passing the puck, shooting, just, just he, he was an incredible guy for me. And he, he, he I loved him. I loved him. He meant so much to me in my life. Um, you know, I, I, um, I missed him when, when um, you know, he, he left his head coach. He went to assistant, but that's really, really where he belonged. And he stayed with me for the next three, four years. Uh, and then he kind of got booted upstairs. And I, I missed him when they did that. Voice of Claude Rule from 1980. We got uh, all the players from last year, plus we got three or four good young kids who are ready to play. And and but like I say, you got to wait to to the exhibition game. You got to see them play against players of the NHL caliber. But right now, I'm really pleased the way some of those guys are playing. Bob Berry came in the following year and was a coach. And one thing Berry gave me was he instilled more of that hard work uh, ethic into me. I had it. I did all that, but he really pushed me and took it to the next level, you know. He really, uh, when you talk about skating and, and doing drills and really, when you don't want to do it, your body's fucking hurting, your neck's tight, you know, your hands are fucking killing you and you gotta do over and back, over and back, fucking, I don't know how many times. And then he loved doing laps, Bob Berry, make you do laps, you do four times six. And, you know, I remember, one day we were doing, it was kind of a punishment thing. And, um, you know, we're out there, Steve Shutt wasn't playing a whole lot. Guy scored 65 goals, four, five Stanley Cups, and Bob Berry's fucking skating him, you know, like a fucking dog. And, you know, we're doing laps. Me and Mark Hunting were skating around. We did six, another six, another six. And we're like, okay, we thought we might do it twice, we did it three times. So after the third time, me and Hunts, another group went, me and Hunts are standing there with Shuddy, and Barry's standing there, chewing his gum, and Raz is going, um, you know, just watching. And I go to Hunts, I said, Hunts, this is fuck all, isn't it? This is nothing, this is easy, fuck. We could do this all day. Hunts is there, yeah, no. Shuddy goes, shut the fuck up, you two. Shut the fuck up. I want this to fucking end. He was so pissed, right? Shuddy's the vet. He'd been around forever. Didn't want to keep going. Six more. Me and Hunts get back at the beginning of the line. Nah, that was fuck all. We did it six times. And Shuddy was fucking bullshit at us when we got in the room. But Bob Berry did, uh, you know, I, like I said, I had the work ethic, but he, he took it to a next level for me. And it really helped me, that skating. Uh, uh, to my legs, uh, my shape, all that stuff. So, yeah, it was a good thing for me. So, Bob, uh, he, he, you know, at the end had a tough time. But I think that the challenge here in Montreal is even greater. The fact being that uh, success here is, is gauged on whether you win the Stanley Cup or not, and I think that adds a lot of pressure to everybody. His demise came when we went through this uh, a little bit of a funk. We were losing hockey games, and we were out. Um, we we're out west, and before we went on the road trip, 
we had lost our last game and Bob took us to, we were at a practice rink. We weren't practicing at the forum. We went to a rink in Verdun that we don't normally skate at. And we went there. There were no fucking pucks on the ice for practice. No pucks. He skated us for 45 minutes straight. We did all sorts of board drills, fucking. I don't know what he was thinking. I think he kind of felt betrayed maybe by the players, like we let him down. But people start, you know, you can only whip the fucking horse so many times or the dog so many times. Sooner or, sooner or later, they're going to turn around and fucking bite you. And that's, that's what was happening with Bob, you know. And we did all these drills. And I remember the last thing we did was laps. I don't know, fuck, all day. 45 minutes we skated. No pucks. And... Actually, the Canadians got in trouble for it. There's a big article in the newspaper that we, for the youth hockey who came in after us, we had done so many laps around that we chewed up the ice behind the net where you do the loops, and it was almost down. It was down the cement. The ice was fucking, we, we chewed it up. And um, anyway, so the team, you know, no one come out and said it, but you just had that feeling. The team had just fucking turned on this coach. We go out on the Western Swing uh, and we're heading to LA. Now we got like a few days off in LA and we're gonna have some fun. And we get on the bus at the airport. And No, we're in Vancouver and Bob come on the plane. And he comes walking down the plane. He says to me, you, no drinking on the plane. I never drank on the, it was a, uh, commercial flight. It wasn't a charter flight. So I never drank on fucking commercial flights anyway. And then he, he went back and he saw Mario Trombley. He was sitting down the end. And he goes to Mario, you, no drinking on the plane. Well, before the fucking wheels get up, Trombley's back there fucking drinking, right? And we get up in the sky on our way and Mario's fucking drinking away. Fuck, they ran out of beer. He was drinking the fucking nips, smoking back. He could smoke in the plane, right? He was in the smoking section. And we get there, LA, LAX. We get out in the bus, and we're going to go stay at this kind of resort hotel. And we get to the resort. Oh, no. We're on the way to the resort hotel, and Mario's fucking on the bus. And Barberry up the front, and... Mario's fucking going, fucking can't believe this shit. The Montreal Canadiens, we win fucking four Stanley Cup in a row. We got the best right side in the NHL. Guy Lafleur, Mark Hunter, Knuckles, and me, Tabarnak, the best. We have a fucking great team, but the fucking coach, he don't know what the fuck he's doing. Fucking coach, Bob Berry. Now Bob's sitting up the front of the forum in his seat. I'm gonna be honest with you, I kind of felt bad for him. Because as much as he was a prick, Bob, I liked Bob. Uh, I actually gave him the nickname Raz, Raz Berry. And Raz um, was squirming in his seat. I think he knew it was coming. Anyway, Mario fucking keeps going. 
And Bob Ganey, captain at the time, he turns around. Mario's going, yeah, the fucking best team and the coach, he fucked everything up. And Bob turned around the bus. He goes, Mario, enough. Enough. Femtailleur call this. Shut your mouth. And Mario goes, I mean, he's fucking lit. He goes, Bob, I love you. I respect you, but fuck you. Well, oh, it, like fucking everybody was just like, oh, he is fucking, you ain't stopping him. We get to the hotel, we get out, coach goes in, you know, we're gonna go get our keys. So we wanna take Mario away from the fucking lobby. So me, Mark Hunter, Matt Snazlin, a few of us take Mario and we go out by the pool. So he's shit face, he's fucking tired, like that. And Hunts, we're talking, and Mario thinks he's gonna have fun now, and he goes, he thought Hunts wasn't looking, he goes to push Mark in the pool with his suit on. Well, Hunts jumps out of the way and fucking pushes him. He doesn't go in the pool, but he goes down the cement. He fucking rips his suit wide open, he's fucking on his pants, he's all blood. And like, uh, and um, we get him up and we run and get his key and he was rooming with Matt Snazlin and we went and put him to bed and uh, yeah, that was it. Bob got fired. Uh, he was done um, the next day. And uh, yeah, it was kind of sad. That was the first time I saw a coach get fired, right? And I, I felt bad for him. I felt, I mean, he made his own bed, Bob. But I, I still felt bad for him because I, I liked him. And he was a good man. Uh, he just, he struggled a little bit with, uh, with, with that group. Not easy to coach a group of guys that won four Stanley Cups in a row and are starting to age. Wasn't an easy thing. But uh, yeah, God bless him. After three years of first round exits from the playoffs, Knuckles and the Habs would receive a new coach for the 1983-84 season. Bob Berry gets uh, fired, and who takes over? The great Jacques Lemaire, who, this guy, man, he's, he's kind of like the judge. He, he really knew what he had in me. There's more there. And, and Lemaire really um, helped me take it to the next level. And he came in, there were 17 games left in the season. Had to get this team straightened out, and he had to instill some discipline. Has a talk with us, whatever, you guys got to do this, you got to do that, I get it, okay? So we play a few games, and then we're heading to Boston, and I'm going back home, and we're playing a game on Saturday afternoon. The Celts were playing that night, so we're playing the afternoon game, Boston Garden. And that morning, uh, we had a breakfast at like 10 o'clock. There was no skate. We're gonna have a little breakfast. So, a guy just got traded to us uh, probably three months earlier, Perry Turnbull, uh, was my roommate. And 
get up in the morning, you say, hey, Nuts, you want a coffee? I'm going to order some breakfast in the room. Then we'll head down to the breakfast later, blah, blah, blah. I said, I don't want any breakfast. I'll have a coffee, though. So he orders it. We have a coffee. We're shooting the breeze. It's like 10, 15. 10 o'clock was the brunch. So we get down about 10, 15, 10, 20. And who's standing outside the door with a stern look on his face? Jacques Lamant, the new coach. He said, where are you? I said, uh, is in my room having a coffee? Uh, cool. How about you? He said, yeah, we just, he said, Perry said, I ordered some breakfast, had breakfast in my room, and we just had a coffee, and we just were heading down. And LeMaire said, well, when I say 10 o'clock brunch, you be there before 10 or right at 10. So tonight, you're not playing. I mean, no fucking way. Come on, Jock. I said, I, I fucking had a coffee in the room, 10 o'clock brunch, fucking anytime we have a meal, fucking guys drift in whenever. He said, yeah, but we're not drifting in anymore. And when I say, be there at 10, you're fucking there at 10. So I'm like, ah, oh, fuck off. So now I got tickets for my whole family, friends, everybody. And I go back to the room. We go in, sit down. I'm fucking steaming. And I go back in the room and Perry says, fuck that. He says, I'm going in the warm-up tonight. You going to go? And I said, no, I'm not going in the warm-up. He said, no, go in, go in the warm-up. I'm going. Come with me. He said, we'll fucking show him we want to play. I said, I ain't giving the fucking satisfaction to tell me to take my stuff off. I ain't going in the warm-up. So, fucking... I'm steaming fucking mad because I ain't playing. We get on the bus, we go, and I get in touch with my brother, call him, tell him what's up. And I said, meet me down the brass rail. I ain't going the fucking game. Fuck you. I'm going to watch it on TV and I'm going to drink all afternoon with my brother and my friends. So... We go to the brass rail, fucking mm, pounding fucking all afternoon. We win, I think, three to two. We get on the bus. You know, no one has seen me anyway. I'm not around the fucking room, nothing. And I get on the, um, the bus, and we go to the airport, and we're taking a commercial flight back to Montreal, Delta, and we're waiting in the thing, and they stop boarding the plane. I wait. I get on kind of one of the last people. And LaMere is sitting in first class with Surge Survive. Big Surge took over. And I get on the plane. I am fucking shit-faced. I just fucking stare at LaMere. He doesn't even look at me. But Surge does. And Surge started laughing. He could tell I was shit-faced. And I fucking walked by and just fucking scowled at him. And went, uh, I went and took my seat. Anyway, we get back to Montreal. The mayor brought me in. He said, Chris, fuck. You know, I did this because this team needs discipline. And yeah, I get it. The mail is at 4 o'clock. Some people come, come at 4.15. The mail is at 10 o'clock. Some people come at 5 past. 10. We're not doing that anymore. And I had to do this 
I had to make you an example to get everybody's attention. So let this go. It's going to be the best thing for the team moving forward. I know, I, I get it. I get it. He made an example of me. And he had to do it. He had to get their attention, our attention. And he had to change things. And he did. Um, we get playing. Um, he was... He was just awesome for me, worked with me after practice and stuff. That first year, he had a lot in his plate. Here's a guy who never really wanted to coach in Montreal. He retired, went to Switzerland, played, played a coach, came back, played at Plattsburgh, uh, not played, coached at Plattsburgh State, college players, then he coached junior. He never really wanted to coach in Montreal because um, he wanted to be in management with Serge. And he didn't want to deal with the pressure and the bullshit that you have to deal with as a coach of the Montreal Canadiens. It's like being the president of the United States. Fucking under the gun every day. Gotta fucking speak to the press every day. Gotta, gotta, gotta. Oh, he just, he really wasn't too keen on it. Anyway, he coaches that first year. I think we went, we came in fourth. We went to the conference final. We lost to the Islanders. Um, you know, we got up, won the first two games, then we lost four straight. Following year, he coaches the whole season from the get-go. And I absolutely loved him. He did so many things with me after practice. Claude worked the fundamentals, skating, shooting, passing, jumping around, made it fun. Lemire wanted to refine it a little with me. He, he used to take me down in front of the net, and he put like 30 pucks there. He said, here's what I want you to do. Take the puck here. Flip it up under the bar on your forehand, then next one on your backhand, up under the bar. Back and forth, back and forth. And he said, the reason why you've got to do this is because this is where you're going to score your goal from. You're going to be in front of the net for the rebound tip. And when you get that puck in front of the net on the rebound, the goaler is going to be down low. And you have to put it up, over. You have to be quick. So, boom, I would do it. Boom, 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 every day. And um, I just worked on that. Then he took me out into the big circle at Center Rice. And he would stand on the edge of the circle, and I'd stand on the other edge. And then he'd put a puck to an area, and I'd have to react to it. So he had the puck. And every time I reacted to the puck and grabbed it, I had to give it to him. And then I had to back off and stay within the circle. So he passed me the puck on my forehand, I give it back, I come toward him, then I back off, he put it on my backhand. I give it back on my backhand, take it on my forehand back, just constant. So I'm moving my feet quick, I'm moving laterally, forward, backward, with the puck. Every practice we started, the line around the rink, the bunch of pucks in the, the corner, you pick one up, and you'd skate hard all the way up. Next time you come around, you say, all right, three steps to the left, three to the right, three right, three left, three right, three left, all the way up the ice. Then he said, okay, next, two guys together. Pass the puck to each other all the way up. Then you come around, and one guy will be skating backwards, the other guy forward, passing the puck. Then you do it three guys, and triangle all the way, moving the puck, passing it all the time. Then two guys. Pass the puck, follow your pass. Go behind the guy, and then he will go, and then you give him the puck, go behind him, 
you, he'd give you the puck, then he'd go behind you, that weaving in and out. So he was trying to get everybody more comfortable with the puck. And a lot of guys fucking hated it, right? Because they hated, you know, especially the better guys with the puck. The more talented guys are like, fuck. Because <laughs> it's, you know, instead of just skating up the side and, you know, you can cruise a little, you get carrying the puck, it's more strenuous. There's, there's more involved in it than just fucking putting your head down and skate off the ice. So he, he pulled me aside and he would say, um, I wanted to talk with you. And I said, okay, what? Well, he said, how long do you think you have the puck in a hockey game on your stick? And I'm like, I didn't even think about it. He just said, I don't know, about a minute and a half. He fucking started laughing his ass off. minute and a half? He said, fucking Wayne Gretzky don't have a middle and a half. Maybe a minute and a half, two minutes a game. He said, you know how many seconds, how long you have the puck on your stick in a game? If you're lucky, 10 seconds. 20 seconds. The most for you. So when the puck is on your stick, Chris, that about next, you have to do something good with it. So it's starting to make sense to me. And he's saying, listen, all these drills I'm doing with you and with the team, I'm getting everybody more comfortable with the puck. So when you get the puck in the game, you don't just throw it away. You don't panic with it. You're more comfortable with it. That's why I do this. And it's going to help you and it's going to improve your game. So away I'm going. That year, my best year in hockey. I fucking love this guy. And to this day, I still do. I had 21 goals, 16 assists. I had an awesome fucking season. I had 358 minutes in penalty. I led the league in penalty. Now, I love scoring goals. I'll take fucking scoring goals over the other stuff any day of the week. But to have them both, it was just, man, it was incredible. I just, uh, scoring goals was awesome. And he put me on the power play and shit. And sure enough, Quebec, we were playing Quebec, and I remember Dick Irvin was doing the play-by-play, -play and I saw the replay of the goal afterwards and listened to the commentary on it. And funny, the shot comes from the point, there's a rebound, and I reach and I grab it on my backhand, and I throw it up over the fucking goalie. What a goal. It was awesome. But Dick Irvin was <laughs> doing the play-by-play, -play and he, when I come out in the power play, Dick Irvin said, Chris Nyland on the power play? I'm surprised, I sound surprised, and I am. And then, sure enough, we get going, I score the goal, and all of a sudden, Dick Irvin says to himself, he says, that's why he's on the power play, Dick. And, you know, that's something I worked on with LaMere. And, and it paid off, it paid off. And, and he was just awesome with me like that. I freaking loved him. And, you know, that season was my best season of hockey with him. And I had nothing but respect for him. And I remember he came up to me. And he said to me, you know, I was fighting a lot, right? I'm leading the league in penalties. But I was fighting fucking every night, every other night, whatever. You look at me wrong, I'm going to fight you. And he came up to me. He said, we were in New York. And he said, Chris, I fought Barry Beck. And he had like a splint or a cast on. And we fought. And anyway, he cut me. And... Jacques came to me and said, Chris, you're fighting too much. You fight way too much. You've got to slow it down. 
He said, people are fucking scared of you on the ice. I mean, not everybody, but he, he's making a point. I'm not like, oh, I scared everybody in the NHL. Tough me. No, it wasn't that way. But he said, people are fucking scared of you out there. You have room that the average player doesn't have. Some people ain't going to go near you. Some people aren't, most people aren't going to slash you. Like, not everybody's going to hit you. There'll be guys, yeah, but you get room that other guys don't have. Use the fucking room. Use that room. You've created it. Use it. And, and it was incredible. I, no one ever said that to me. Not that anybody told me to fight before, because they didn't. And that's another thing. I always said, if a coach ever tells me to fight, I'm going to say, I'm going to grab him by the fucking tie and tell him, you go fucking fight. Don't tell me. And I never had to be told because I always did it. And I knew when to do it. I knew how to do it. And I was a willing combatant. So I never had to be told. But no one ever told me, hey, slow down. You don't have to fight. So I'm like, man, this fucking guy, like he respected me. Respect is big. I, you know, it's a big fucking thing with me. And, and I have respect for other people. I'm fine. You do your thing. Um, but the disrespect thing, I just, I don't fucking deal with that well. If you're not going to have respect for me, if I can't earn your respect, well, I'm going to have a hard time getting it back. You know, um, <laughs> you have no respect for me. What am I going to do? I'll respect you. I don't think so. It doesn't work that way. So Jacques really had that respect for me, and uh, he helped me immensely. I had my best year of hockey because of him. And when the night he told me, that was the night he told me I fought too much. And I went out that night and fought Barry back, and I ended up getting the gash. We're playing the next night, uh, two nights later, we're playing in the island, New York Islanders. And... He came up to me after the practice on, it was like a Tuesday in the Rangers. Wednesday day off, we practiced. That night, that after, after practice that day, he said to me, uh, you're not playing tomorrow night. I'm there, fuck, why? I, I want to play. He said, you're not playing tomorrow night. I said, why? He said, because, listen, I want to give you a night off. You do, you fought so much. Look at how many penalty minutes you have. All the fights you've had this year, you've had like 30 fights already. He said, I want to give you a break. I said, I don't need a fucking break. I want to play. Well, I'm giving you a break. You're going to take it off. I already called someone up. Who's he call up? Dave Ellison. Big Redsy. So Redsy gets called up. And that Wednesday, I was pissed. So I, what I do? I go, at the fucking bar. I got shit-faced. I said, I'm having a night off. I'm going to enjoy myself. So I went out fucking... Drank all night. Get up in the morning, and I go to practice. Morning skate, game that night. So we had like 11 o'clock skate. Go out there, and Jacques comes to me, and he said, you're not playing tonight. I said, why? I thought I had the fucking night off. I went out last night and ripped it up. He said, well, Dave Allison, there's something with the waiver thing. He can't play until two nights from now. Because with the waiver thing, I'm there, well, I, he's trying to explain to me, I, I'm there, whatever. I gotta fucking play now, and I feel like shit. I figure I'm gonna sweat the booze out, and then, um, you know, <laughs> I can go take a nice nap, and I'll watch the hockey game tonight. Well, I end up having to play. I sucked, it was bad. 
I mean, I put, played all right, put that way. I just, I, I just, my mind was not in it, you know. I, I was taking that night off. It just fucked me up, and I, I just wasn't right. It was a bad game for me. <clears throat> anyway, that was that, and my, my relationship with him was just really awesome. I remember one night in Quebec, a uh, big game we had, and uh, I ended up scoring two goals. And after I scored the second goal, he came and he leaned down to me and he said, don't forget where you came from. <laughs> I'm like, you fucking prick, will you? Come on, one minute you tell me you fight too much, now I score a couple goals you want to fight. He, he just wanted to keep me, like my father, keep your fucking feet on the ground, don't ever big cheese me, you know, fucking, don't ever fucking disrespect other people, fucking have that respect for other people and, and, and do your thing. And, you know, that's the way it was. But, it, you know, I, I, Jacques, he was so awesome to me. I had nothing. He earned the respect, too. Jacques Lemaire, when he started coaching, you know, he took over for Bob. And I think, like, he hated dealing with the media and the pressure on Montreal. He didn't want to be in that spotlight. He wanted to be assistant to the general manager, Serge. They played together. They're good friends. And Serge... I, I guess after Bob Berry got fired and he stepped in and took over, Serge, I think they had a deal. He said, listen, I'll coach next year, but I'll bring in an assistant and we'll groom him for the following year. I only want to coach one more year. So I guess they agreed on that. So that year, uh, again, uh, I think that that year, I believe we lost the conference final. And to the Ionis, four games to two. And Jacques stepped down. And who took over? The guy he hired as an assistant coach the previous year, Jean Perron, Pudding Head. Now, I call him Pudding Head because that was his nickname amongst the players. And I think we called him <laughs> Pudding Head because he, he, listen, he's a good guy. He's not the brightest ball, okay? And, um, that didn't start right away either, it, a while. He came in, he took over, and we kind of knew him as an assistant coach, so that's okay. But it's a whole different thing when you're a head coach. So he basically stayed with the system that LeMaire had. He did a lot of the same things LeMaire did. Didn't do too much uh, or have too many things that he did that were his own. And again, hockey's hockey. It's fucking not rocket science. There's only so many systems. There's only so many things. Come on, it's a game of spontaneity, quickness, speed, skill. You've got to be able to react. Yeah, the systems work, but there's only so many you can use. Um, and, and, you know, he's stuck with Jacques' system, which is fine with us because we played it well. We played it to a T, and we had success with it. It was more defensive-oriented. So, anyway... He takes over, and <laughs> I got to go back, though. When he was assistant coach, this is terrible. But we were, after practice one day, we were um, lining up taking shots, that semicircle, you know, everybody. So I'm like the second guy in line. He passed to the first guy. He bypassed me, passed to that guy. We go through the line again. He did the same thing. He missed me. So I'm going, hey, Jean, Jean. I'm waving at him, like, come on, pass the fucking puck to me. Anyway, he comes back, goes through the line, comes back again. I'm there, John, John. So he passed the puck to me, 
it came and I took it and I just flipped it like, fuck off. You know, it was like way over to the right of me, whatever. But I just flipped it joking around like, fuck off, take it back and give it to me. Well, after he passed it to me, he reached down to go get another puck. And when I flipped it, now I'm at the far blue line, he's in the far corner. Not the far blue, I'm at the blue, but on the far side of the rink, he's in that corner. So I just took it and flipped it. The puck took off, right in the fucking head. 10, it goes down, 10 stitches, cut some open. So, Jacques Lemaire came to me after, he said, Chris, what the fuck are you doing? I said, Jock, I didn't mean to fucking hit him. I mean, if I could hit him from where I was, then you better put me on the fucking power play. Because I just, you know, he went through the line a couple times, never passed me the puck. So I, when he did, I just took it and flipped it back, fucking around. And it took off. It just, I didn't realize that's, I guess, my fucking skill and my strength. I'm getting better. But I didn't mean to hit him in the head. Anyway, he got the stitches. And I come in, he, Jock said, listen, you got to apologize to him. So... I, I said, yeah, no problem, I will. So I go in and he had a fucking, one of them blue uh, ice bags there with the spots on it, white spots. <laughs> He's got it on his fucking head. He's sitting there like this. I almost fucking started laughing. I was inside, but I said, listen, Jean, I didn't mean to hit you in the fucking head. I was fucking around when you didn't pass me the puck those two times. I just took it and flipped it like, here you go, you can have it back. And it just took off, I'm sorry. I apologize. He said, yeah, no problem, Chris. It's okay. And, uh, I kind of felt bad, but it was kind of funny. Anyway, Jacques steps down. Jean takes over. So we get going this season. And, you know, uh, you know, I was fighting, doing my thing. And, you know, just uh, we get down near the end of the season. And he... No, we're struggling a bit. We're not winning hockey games. We sucked, actually, down the stretch. I think the last 10 games or the last 12 games were like, you know, 2 8 and 2 or something. Bad fucking record. We weren't doing well. Guys had kind of tuned them out a bit. And because um, honestly, he wasn't the brightest fucking guy. He wasn't hockey wise. We're doing everything that Lemire did, which was fine, but he just. He, he, you could tell he wasn't the brightest hockey guy. And, and guys were losing it uh, as far as listening to him and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going into the playoffs. And Serge and Mr. Corey, Mr. Corey is the president. Serge and Mr. Corey came down before the playoffs and we're playing Boston first round. And they come down and both gave a talk. Mr. Corey gave an incredible speech and then Serge afterwards. And we start, we go to practice, start the playoffs. And Bob Ganey and Larry, man, if not for them, I wouldn't have a Stanley Cup today. I just wouldn't. But also, if not for Claude Lemieux and Patrick Waugh. So we got two guys that have been around one five, six cups already. And we got two rookies in Claude and Patrick Waugh that are uh, with us. And Bob and Larry kind of held things together, which was awesome. Guys hung on every word they said.
they kind of kept us focused and, and, you know, kept us from quitting on the coach. And Jean, we start the playoffs, we go in Boston, we beat them three straight. Bingo. Then it's the half of Whalers. Play them. Goes to game seven at the forum. And we're winning 2-1. Less than a minute to play. I'll never forget it. Dave Babich gets the puck at the point. Fires it. Bang, they tie the game. Less than a minute to play. Now, I remember sitting there. And mind you, I stayed in school. They won four cups in a row. I could have been part of that fourth cup if I left school I, when I wanted to. I didn't. So I missed that cup. I came the following season. Now, here I am in the playoffs, and I'm thinking, game seven, here we are. They get all the momentum. I just had a bad feeling. Like, shit, they scored, you know. And I remember going in the room with Bob Ganey, Larry, guys, come on. We go play, everything at the, at the net. Hang on to the puck, don't throw it away. You know, you know, play the body. Just all very positive stuff. Stuff you normally hear from a coach and from players who understand the game and, and kind of repeat a lot because that repetition, obviously being the key to retention, you know, to hear that from those guys, it was awesome. So Bob and Larry kind of settled everything down and we went out there and, you know, this is incredible. Uh, the famous back check happened before the goal, but I don't even remember the famous back check. Uh, I think it was Shelly told me about the famous back check, but right after the famous back check, apparently I come, and come down the ice and, and the Whalers was a hell of a hockey team. Some awesome players, Hall of Famers on that team. Uh, Ron Francis, Deneen, um, Ferraro, uh, Joe Quenville, Ole Samuelson, Mike Liute. I mean, they had a fucking hockey team. And we, we were in for it. And we went out in that overtime period. And apparently I fly down the ice on the back check and I break up a play. And the puck turns over. We change, go back to bench, Claude Lemieux and company go out there, Claude. Pucks in behind the net. Claude goes, flattens his fucking D-man, grabs the puck. D-man's laying on the ice, and he takes it, and he comes out around and throws it upstairs over Leo's shoulder. We win game seven. Fucking place goes nuts. We fly off the bat. It was an incredible feeling. It was awesome. Whalers trying to get it out, and they can't. Lemieux to the side of the net, and bodies all over the place. Here's Lemieux with a shot. Claude Lemieux puts it right up under the bar. On a, what looked like a harmless play, he walked out from behind the net and stuck it up over Lemieux's shoulder. Well, there's nothing I like winning it in overtime in the seventh game, Dick. And I remember skating out and just diving in the pile and I grabbed Pepe Lemieux. And that year, you know, Patrick played incredible, all right? He's a rookie. And he wins the Conn Smythe. Claude Lemieux came too. Claude scored five game-winning goals, I think three in overtime, 
time. Like, hello, as a rookie? So they came 1-2 in the con smite, which was incredible. Claude had just as much to do with us winning the Stanley Cup that year than Patrick did. And listen, I'm not taking anything away from Patrick. It was incredible. But Pepe, he was right there. And, and just incredible uh, feeling. And we moved on. And the next round, we were playing the Rangers. Forget it. We fucking 4-1 them. That was nothing. And then we, we knew we were in for a run with Calgary. And like the fourth game, I fought um, Neil Sheehy. And we were fighting, got going, and uh, my ankle fucking turned under me. And my weight went down. I, I fucking tore ligaments in my ankle. Anyway, my ankle's fucked. I finished that game, but I was, uh, I was sore. It took my skate off and fucking ballooned up like that. I was like, oh, shit. So I'm, fuck, I couldn't even walk. I put weight on it. I did uh, x-rays and everything. I, didn't find anything. It said torn ligaments. So we're going to Calgary. We're going there for game five anyway. I wanted to play the game. And I, I'll never forget, I was fucking heartbroken. I, before the game, they injected me. Like my ankle was, I couldn't even tighten my skate the whole way and fucking kill. But anyway, they injected me and froze me and let me go in the warm up. And I was in the warm up and I'm. <laughs> doing everything I can to fucking look normal, but apparently I wasn't. And I come off the ice, and Big Surge said, uh, big boy, come here. And I'm there, what? And he said, uh, you can't go. I'm there, fuck, I can play, fuck, come on, we are. He said, no, you have to think of the team. And you're not 100%, so you can't play. I said, fuck, I can fight, I can do something, please. And he said, no, that's it. You're not playing. So I was fucking bummed out. And um, I ended up playing. Anyway, we win. I went up and I sat in the box and I watched from the box. I had a few beers. Actually, I got shit-faced. Um, I was bummed out. I wasn't playing. And then uh, we won the cup in Calgary. And I remember going down. And I was, I mean, I was so happy, believe me. But I was so bummed, I wasn't. Now they put the uniform on, they go on the ice and, you know, kind of, not act like you played, but you get a picture with the cup with the uniform, you're fucking sweating. You, you know, I was bummed out I wasn't there. I'm out in the fucking ice with a suit on, you know. It was a, it was a drag for me. But, you know, I, I took a deep breath and said, come on, this fucking won the cup here. This is incredible. This is what you always wanted. Here it is. Um, so I went out the ice with all the boys and in the room and you know, we had a blast and we flew home it was just awesome a lot of laughs uh so happy you know be part of a group of guys that you know you set that goal to uh, and you go after it and you achieve that as a group you're bound together forever for the rest of your lives that you were part of that that winning team that team that was the best team that year in the nhl so it's incredible feel Congratulations to Montreal Canadiens. What an effort. What a surprising story. The character of that hockey club showed right through to the end. The character of both hockey clubs, both organizations gone. Just absolutely incredible. Well, Montreal.
disposing first of Boston. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe.